Hello and welcome to the British Wrestling Experience. And um, joining me on the show this week, as usual, is Benno and Jamesy. And also joining us from the Gorilla Island podcast is Emma. And uh, Emma, thanks for joining us uh, this week. We do appreciate you taking the time to join us for this show. Thanks for having me. I mean, uh, just before we get started on this, I just wanted to issue a warning and say, you know, there have, there have been some graphic descriptions put out there this week, which we'll obviously be discussing on the show, so I just wanted to put that warning in before we get in, because obviously, you know, there's no easy way to start a show like this, other than I think, you know, we can all say that this has the week that we've seen on Twitter and all the statements and uh, allegations and things that have come out has been a massive wake-up call, not just for Brit Rest, but I think everyone else in wrestling this past week or so. I mean, we'll, we'll be trying to play this as professionally as possible here, but it's this is an emotional issue, and I think emotions are running high for, for everybody, not just for us guys. And um, I just think it's a massive wake-up call. It's something that's seemingly been going on for years and years. Allegations of rape, abuse, abuse of power, manipulation, hazing, bullying. It just seems like this whole boys' club where you could treat people like dirt and get away with it behind a code of silence. And I just I just think it's important that we, we just came on here and uh, discussed this this week because um, I think the main thing that's important to acknowledge is just how brave the people who've spoken out this week have been and just thank them for opening our eyes to, you know, what's been going on in European wrestling. I mean, it can't have been easy for any of them sharing their stories and I just hope it's a relief for them that, you know, this is out there now and hopefully people are supporting them because, I mean, I know this isn't about us guys as podcasters, but, you know, we've... I think it's fair to say we've been dominated on the show by male voices and we've heaped praise upon a lot of the wrestlers who were accused in past shows on this pod and, you know, like most people, had the wool pulled over our eyes, you know, um, we've seen this past week harrowing account after harrowing account and I'm sure this has made not just us but a lot of people sit up and take notice but also think long and hard about what's been happening behind the scenes. Um, I mean... Just to be honest there, we did to and fro about doing a podcast this week because of just the, the sheer scope and horror of all that's been coming out. And obviously, it's not an easy subject to talk about. But, I mean, just before we go into some of the details, I mean, I just wanted to get some initial thoughts from you guys. Obviously, this is it's just been horrendous reading the accounts that have come out and just and just truly harrowing seeing some of the stuff that we've been seeing this week. Um, I mean, Benno... You, I mean, just some of your initial thoughts from uh, the past week and some some of the stuff that, that's come out. Yeah, I, th- I think the first thing, and I am really glad we're doing this podcast because I think it is important to, you know, to to speak out ourselves, but also to listen and to you know to hear the the voices of the of the women who've been coming forward this week and the men who've been coming forward too. Um, just the the biggest take from me is is the bravery of those people. You know, the, the leadership that the likes of Sierra Loxton, Alexis Falcon, Leanne Marie, Lucy Openshaw, the list goes on. You know, the, the people like that, even Dan Maloney and Pete Dunn getting involved. Um, but mainly, you know, those women who've put themselves forward has kind of been my big takeaway. Um, personally, as like a, my head, you know, over this, it doesn't, you know, compare in any way, but it, this does hurt as a fan, as an analyst, a podcaster, or, you know, however you want to put it, you know, like you said. We've been guilty, um, both on this podcast and on, on my other podcast of, I think as JP put it on Twitter, you know, hero worship. You know, there's no escaping it. You know, the some of the principal people we're going to talk about today are people who 
not only their wrestling we loved, but I think we we held them on a pedestal as people as well. Um, so yeah, I think my my initial reaction really a lot of it's just horror, you know, um, shock, and maybe I shouldn't be shocked, you know. I think maybe maybe I'm someone whose expectations of wrestling uh, has, has been low over the years, and yeah. You hear things, no specifics, you know, about this general boys club uh, mentality, as you mentioned there, Martin. It's always at the, the back of your brain, um, but always seems so far away. And you hear bits and pieces of of odd stories um, out there, you know, on other podcasts and from people you see at shows. But, you know, the sheer size and scope of this issue, um, it'll be in there in plain sight, you know, not just a couple of open rumours, but, you know, a, a, an accumulation, um, a sheer number of, of you know, brave women who came forward and awful allegations and awful, you know, men in wrestling. Um, that it's kind of, the, I think it's, yeah, for me, the big shock, you know, is the sheer scale. Um, I'm sure it's not a shock to, to some of the women who come forward who've had to, to live with this and live with their stories for for so long, um, but yeah, it was certainly you know this, this, as you said, this whole last week on, on wrestling Twitter and just in general being a a British wrestling fan, um, you know you can be as pessimistic as you like, but it, it's been extremely eye opening for me. I would say, yeah, man. Some initial thoughts from just what we've seen this week. I mean, it's yeah, it's just been exhausting, really, as a week. I think. I personally feel that I owe it to everyone to take in every single story and to read everything. Mm. And like, at kind of affecting my own mental health by doing so. And I know that as a woman, and I know speaking to other women, they have felt the same, that this is quite confronting, that they have to relive their own history of sexual assault and, you know, question everything that has happened to them in the past. But you just you have to keep reading and you have to keep taking it in. Um, yeah, it's been just highly emotional. I know that, you know, speaking to people like, you know, I went to have dinner with my family on Sunday and I just I couldn't speak to anyone. Mm. Like I was just in another world because I was just thinking I was going through the stories over and over in my head and just thinking all I'm doing is reading this. These people had to live this. And it's, yeah, it's just been, it's been heartbreaking. I think that's it, isn't it, Jamie? Jamesy, just like, just thinking about it all and, and just, you know, just like Emma said there, um, you know, it, it's bad enough for us to read this, but, you know, these people had to live through this, didn't they? Absolutely, yeah. And like, I, I would, I, I would always have pointed at Benoit as the, the low point of the history of wrestling as, as the worst event or incident to ever happen in wrestling history. And at this point, I definitely think that this is worse again. You know, it's, it's, it's how widespread it is. It's how endemic it is. It's how close to home it is. You know, it's, it's, it, these are incidents that have happened here in Ireland, in Dublin, you know what I mean? In England, very close to home. Whereas, you know, America and WWE always feels, at least it feels like it's at arms distance this was right on our doorstep you know happening and in a lot of cases we didn't know what was happening um and you know i have had little or no interest in wrestling this week you know i i've been completely consumed by the stories as emma said i i feel 
feel a, a responsibility to read everybody's story. Um, I, I knew we'd be doing this podcast and I felt a responsibility to the victims that I, you know, I had to understand what they're going through. And the only reason I'm sitting here doing this podcast, honestly, is the victims, you know, um, you know, it's, you know, we're sitting here talking about how difficult it is for us. Multiply that by a thousand and that doesn't come close to 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 even even you know describing what the victims have gone through you know um and i just want to say to our listeners you know like this is a wrestling podcast and and it's our job to talk about wrestling and we will spend time on this podcast talking about the wrestling industry and about the future and that kind of thing because that's what we do but it goes without saying that the most important people in this are the victims and you know, no matter what we're talking about tonight, the victims are at the forefront of all our minds. Um, and I think, you know, I think people should just take a moment to think about think about the victims and what they've gone through. Think about how long these women and in some cases men have carried this trauma around with them, how long they've struggled with the memories of it, the lasting effect it's had on their lives, how difficult it was for those people to come forward and speak, like how afraid they must have been um, at the thought that people wouldn't believe them. And like, you know, they're using a medium in Twitter that's that's a horrible place. You know what I mean? And they must have known that people would come on there and discredit them. And they were still brave enough to come and speak. And imagine how strong you have to be to keep a secret for so long and to finally break the hold that an abuser has over you and speak out. You know, that's that's the most difficult thing in the world. And the loneliness they must have had, like it's it's it, the way that abusers operate is they isolate people from their family and friends. Those people must have felt so lonely for so long. Um, so just for anyone that spoke out, we all salute you. You're beyond heroic. You're brave. You deserve far more than the world of wrestling ever gave to you. And I suppose, you know, this is this podcast is is our tiny little way of talking about it, amplifying your voice and hopefully getting the wider world talking about this thing, because we have to talk about it. Things won't get better if we don't talk. Yeah, I, com- I completely agree there. I mean, there's um, obviously this is this has been going on for years and years. And um, but I think. I mean, for all the accounts coming out now, it really did start with the uh, the allegations against David Starr, isn't didn't it? I mean, specifically from his uh, his two former girlfriends, Victoria and Bella. Um, obviously, Victoria alleging that Starr, you know, rapes women and gaslights them after, and and obviously these were backed up by Bella, who posted a number of uh, text conversations with Starr and videos as well. I think showing a pattern in his behaviour towards his girlfriends. Uh, I mean, Star posted a few lengthy responses on his Twitter before deleting his account. I mean, he basically agreed he was a bad partner, but he stated that he wasn't a, a sexual predator. But, I mean, Bella, as far as I can tell, is his most recent girlfriend. Obviously, he lived over here with her in Britain. I mean, she shared a number of stories and text messages between her and Star where he was putting her down for her appearance and... Uh, you know, criticizing her, and, and then she even posted a video featuring Star Joel Allen from Suplex Wrestling and another wrestler, Big Grizzly, asking her to bring friends to a show for a a wet lay. Uh, I mean, um, Emma, thinking back to last week and these initial stories and when they first came out and Star's response to this, I mean, it, it sort of showed a, a it, it didn't do him, it didn't do himself any good, did it? Because it kind of backed up everything that they were saying, the statements he was coming out and sort of like this narcissistic sort of like megalomaniac attitude he had towards women. Absolutely. Um, like when reading the statements, like we all did, and it seemed that we were all doing it 
it was all happening in kind of in live time all the accusations and then he released a statement and then another one and he'd be replying and he just really showed himself to be emotionally detached and completely narcissistic he had it all prepared he's even said that he had he had written something a week ago and this is what we were reading this is before the allegations came out so you can only well I, I would assume he was aware that his two ex-girlfriends were in touch which would have been his biggest nightmare because from both of them speaking on Twitter they've been saying that he would tell each of his girlfriends these are the girls they're psychos don't speak to them you know they they make up lies about me and then this was happening so he had it prepared he had his excuses ready I mean that is just the the work of of a sociopath. Yeah, I think that speaks a lot, Star, that, it, you know, the dates on, on his replies and things like that, Benno. Yeah, definitely. That's it. And as as you both kind of said there, he, you know, for, for people who are big stars, big fans of David Star, you might have, you know, I'm sure there were people out there in the audience who who took those allegations and thought, oh, I want to I hear David Star's side first. Um, and then David Star came out with his side and Every, like you said, every behaviour that he displayed was reminiscent um, of the allegations, the the gaslighting, um, the arrogance. I think of David Starr. I think again, I think there's going. We're going to have listeners. I think in general, there's going to be wrestling fans, and you see it in the comments of this stuff. You know, jumping in and defending David Starr and replying to him, going, "Oh, I believe you, David. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you wouldn't do anything like this." And it was like. The evidence was right there in front of you, really. Like, uh, not only, you know, the women who've, who've came forward, and I believe, you know, at time of recording, another ex-girlfriend of David Starr has come forward with, you know, allegations of some predatory behaviour as well. Like, if that's not enough for you, and it should be, because you need, you should be listening um, to these women, um, especially with, the, you know, the scale um, that we've seen over this last week. Uh, if that wasn't enough for you, then, yeah, David Starr's own words, David Starr's, own demeanor and and just David Starr's, like you say, his calculated preparedness in putting these statements out did not shine him in a good light whatsoever. And yeah, any any benefit of the doubt, I think maybe he thought he'd uh, he'd get from people. I think that very very quickly went out of the window. And I think you know even people who were were doubting it at the at the beginning um, very quickly started to see what this was. And then obviously, as we're we're going to talk about it. It just snowballed and, and snowballed from there. I mean, Jamesy, I mean, as well as this revelation, I mean, even more revelations came out about Star, yeah. about his background and his family, and it just it came to light that, you know, even though we were talking about a rest, part of his wrestling character, in real life he portrayed himself and, and it just he was just a total charlatan with absolutely everybody this entire time, wasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. And, and we... The public face that we saw was David Starr, when in fact, and none of us knew anything about Max Barsky, it turns out. You know, and I think somebody said that on Twitter and it was nearly the best way to sum it up. You know, like this guy, I, I never saw somebody telling themselves so badly as he told himself in that defense. I would put defense in loose, in inverted commas that he put up for himself uh, last last Thursday night on Twitter. Like he, everything that was said about him in the accusations, he literally revealed, like they said that he was a person that liked to gaslight women. 
he was a person that patronized women. He talked down to women. He was arrogant. And everything that they said came across, it, it came shining through in every single word of those defenses, the arrogance of him. He truly believed that he was such a good talker and he was such a good, he was so eloquent and he was so good with words that he could talk his way out of these accusations. And that was ultimately what his arrogance was, his downfall in the end, you know, um, and really, we knew nothing about him. You know, it's emerged in the last few days that, that, that he actually is from a wealthy background and he had a large um, he had a large fund of money put away. And he was portraying himself as the the working man, the, you know, the union leader, the working man, the, the voice of the working man. And it was all bullshit, you know, and, but he fooled us all. You know what I mean? And like I put that man on more than nearly anybody. I put him on such a pedestal. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I. I championed him before a lot of people were championing him as a wrestler. I, I gave him a, a platform on this very podcast. I spent two and a half hours talking to him about how great David Starr was. And I look back on that and I feel so foolish, you know, to, to have done that. And like, you know, I, I've, I've wrestled with a lot of guilt this week about championing that guy. And there were people who spoke up about him. There was a small minority of people, a, a vocal but small minority of fans who who said, no, this guy is not what he says he is. They knew something and they didn't feel in the position to maybe say what it was because it wasn't coming from the victim themselves. And I didn't listen. And at, at times I shouted them down and, 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 I, and I stuck up for Star. And I feel guilty about that, you know. Um, and, it, you know, I, I'm very good at giving people advice. And when I've seen other people online talking about their guilt for putting wrestlers on a pedestal, I've jumped in straight away and said, you can't feel guilty for being fooled by by." such a charismatic person by such a great talker um this is on him it's not on you but i find it harder to say things like that to myself i suppose you know what i mean and it wasn't until some good friends kind of pulled me aside during the week and basically you know spelt it out to me that, that i kind of was able to let that go and i know there's a lot of people listening who, who will be struggling with that um you're entitled to be angry with david Starr, but direct you're entitled to be angry but direct the anger towards him and not yourself this is not anybody's fault except his yeah, I think I think you made a really good point there, Jamesy, because, you know, as much as, you know, we might be angry with ourselves for, like, you know, they're putting these guys on pedestals, I think it is, it is, that's a very good point that, you know, we should direct the anger towards them rather than ourselves. But, uh, I mean, obviously, Bella and Victoria coming forward against our, um, like Benno said, this opened up the floodgates to countless allegations. I mean, it really was overwhelming people from all over the world in wrestling. I mean, we're not going to try and put any timeline together and, you know, we'll try and talk about this as a whole, but there are so many stories it would be impossible to talk about everything. And, and, you know, and it is worth noting that, um, you know, the police are looking into these allegations now and investigating this. So, um, so yeah, we'll just try and look at, look at this as a whole because, I mean, there were just so many allegations coming forward. I mean, um, one, I mean, sort of one that, because he, he got released, was um, Jack Gallagher. I mean, he was accused of uh, assaulting a woman at a party in 2014, uh, sitting on her lap and then later following her into the bathroom and ripping her skirt. And she followed this up with screenshots of uh, messages allegedly sent by Gallagher to the to the host of the party, saying he had no recollection of the events and would like to apologise. And... Um, you know, he was subsequently released by WWE, who just simply said WWE has come to terms on the release of Jack Gallagher. I mean, we'll get into sort of like other WWE wrestlers who've been, um, who've had accusations against them in this in a bit, but, um, 
I mean, just uh, some of your thoughts on this initial story with uh, Jack Gallagher, Emma. Yeah, that was, I think, was that one of the first ones to come out that named, you know, a WWE contracted person? The bravery that that takes, because mm-hmm. I know from other people making allegations against someone with a WWE contract, they know that they're now messing with someone with money and someone who will have a legal team behind them and someone and a legal team that is used to silencing other voices. Um, Yeah, that was a pretty horrendous story. And for him to be released, but then not much said about anyone else was quite confusing. Yeah, completely agree, because obviously they just came out with the blanket statement after there, didn't they, that anybody else, I mean, we'll get into the cases in a minute, but it was just the the blanket statement, wasn't it, that, you know, we're, we're look, we take these allegations seriously and we're looking into him. So, yeah, that was that was why it was confusing with Jack Gallagher, uh, Benno. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Jack Gallagher is, you know, for me, he's not the only one on this list. There's, there's people on these lists who, you know, have either known through wrestling or uh by the match with Jack Gallagher, trained with Jack Gallagher. Um, there are other people on the list who are trained with, new, known through podcasting, DMs. You know, that, that, I'm, I'm sure everyone, you know, has got a story like that of, you know, like James, he said, I was speaking to Star and, you know, doing the podcast with him. I think that those, that side of things makes it so personal. But like, yeah, Jack Gallagher was one that did catch me by surprise. Um, I think everyone, everyone who knows one of the people who's been accused here, well, you'll, you'll find someone who goes, oh, not not him, it wouldn't be him. And yeah, Jack Gallagher wouldn't be a name that I, that I, I would have expected to come forward. And I believe there was, a, you know, another story about Jack Gallagher as well. Um, and the thing with, thing with that is he, as, as you both said there, and as Emma said there, he's the one who's been sacked. Um, he's the one who WWE have actually taken action on. I, I mean, you can. It's hard to, and you know, we probably shouldn't speculate too much on on why that might be. Did he, you know, make admittance uh, to what he's did? Is is that the is that the difference here? Um, did did WWE have more info um, than we're than we're aware of um, than is public at the moment that that led to that? Uh, certainly, based on you know the story there, it's obviously obviously the right decision. Um, but yeah, interesting that yeah, he's the the only um, shoot to drop at the moment, um, at least from the WWE side when, you know, uh, again, at time of recording, right before we recorded, you know, there was like a an NXT UK, NXT UK was on tonight like normal, and there's several NXT UK wrestlers who've got similar um, allegations, and it's and it's radio silence from the uh, from the WWE end. So, yeah, I do think that's a... That's an interesting facet to the story, but you know, yeah, from I think a lot of people in you know the Northwest wrestling scene, not the, not that it's the, the most important thing, but I think people are, are very uh, shocked at that one, um, and you know, fully can condemn it, uh, and obviously that it's led to this WWE action. I think it gives a a fair bit of credence as well. I mean, um, you just know what they're about NXT UK, because obviously um, Travis Banks and um, and this time being. Um, you know, the allegations coming from Millie McKenzie, someone who was well-known on the British scene and toured Japan extensively in the past few years. I mean, she first alleged that the Iron Fist promoter, Killian Jacobs, had, had taken advantage of her as a trainer when she was only 15 and, and following that began training under Travis Banks when she was 17. She went on to say that 
you know, they had a, a secret relationship and you wouldn't speak to her in public in case anyone found out and cheated on her multiple times and had a massive effect on her mental health. And she posted text messages where Banks had, had somehow found out what hotel room she was and just charging her with police to let him in despite her telling him to go away. I mean, Banks has responded to this where he admitted the two had a relationship and claimed um, they both apologised to each other once the relationship ended. I mean, this story was the tip of the iceberg, James, when it comes to Fight Club Pro. Where, but, I mean, from my personal point of view, I mean, Travis Banks is a trainer. She's a 17-year-old girl. I mean, there's trust there. And, and entering into a relationship and treating her the way that he did is absolutely inexcusable here. Yeah, and like you know, we, we, we're on a we're on a public podcast, and we do have to be careful about what we say about some of these cases. But like, we can directly go to the statement that Banks put out himself and talk mm-hmm. about things there because that's him telling us what happened. You know what I mean? So that there is no he said she said there. It's very much factual, and he he freely admits that he was her trainer. And that they entered into a relationship together when she was, I think it began when she was 17 years of age. And that, and, you know, by by a technical loophole in UK law, that means he's not a sex offender in the eyes of the law. So, but but it's 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 by the skin of his teeth, by a loophole that hopefully will be closed with new legislation very soon in the UK. If he was, if he was Millie McKenzie's school teacher, he could be brought to court and prosecuted for that. Um, but because it's there's a grey area with sports and wrestling is an even more grey area because it's even classed as a sport, he probably will, or probably he won't be prosecuted, you know. But it's, you know, the bar is so low at the moment for these wrestlers that them claiming, well, it wasn't illegal, that's how low the bar is. Like, And something not being illegal, something not being legal, something being illegal, is one thing, but there's it's it's morally wrong what he did. He was put in a position of care of Millie McKenzie. You know, I'm a father. I I send my girls and my kids to classes, and you know, there's a certain level of trust you put in the people who are in charge of them for that hour when you send them to a class. And she was entrusted into the care of Travis Banks, and he started a relationship with her. And there, there's, a, there's all the phrases we've heard during the week. There's the power dynamic. There's, the, you know, there, there, there's the, the fact that he could hold things over her. He could hold bookings over her head. He could hold things like getting onto shows and that kind of thing. This is why people in positions of power shouldn't be allowed to get into relationships with the people that they're looking after. And there's another thing that he says in that statement that, that really angered me when I read it. And he says, um, Millie was a trainee of mine at Fight Club Pro. She was also a close personal friend. We would be at shows together, attend the same social events, travel together and hang out at the wrestler's house where I was living. And it's that bit at the end of that sentence, hang out at the wrestler's house where I was living. This is a house full of fully grown adult men of varying ages in their 20s and 30s. Why in the name of God is a 16, 17 year old girl hanging out in a house full of men like that? Like it's wrestlers and wrestling seem to live in a bubble that's completely detached from reality. Name another profession where that would be okay. 
Name another profession where the minute somebody put that in a statement, they wouldn't be completely fired from their job and that'd be the end of it. It's totally bizarre that, that, that he sees that as a, he seems to see it as a normal thing. He's putting it in, in his explanation as a justification for what happened when it's completely wrong in my head that, that, that a young girl should be hanging around a house like that in the first place. And like, it's something we might, we might talk about a little bit later. This bubble that wrestling lives in where they're completely detached from reality and they're completely detached from the things that we think are right or wrong and I think that's at the heart of all of this that people in wrestling there's an awful lot of statements have come out from wrestlers in the last week where they've said things and they seem to think it's okay that these things happened where the rest of us see those things and we're completely appalled by them and there's just this complete imbalance between what we see as right and wrong and what wrestlers see as right and wrong and it's you know as I said that's a key thing in this whole affair I think yeah, I think James, you raised a good point there, Emma, because, you know, they're trying to hide by, behind this sort of fact that, well, they're 16 and they're legal, but there's this, the relationship between the trainer and sort of like, you know, the student, it shouldn't go that far, should it? That's, yeah, that's the biggest issue. And a lot of sane people, they can see that, that this is wrong. I mean, you do have people in the replies to Travis Banks saying, well, it's legal, you know, what's the problem? Thankfully, there's an overwhelming number of replies that are saying, this is sick, this is wrong. You abused your position of trust. And it's it's so sad when you think about, this was a 17-year-old girl. This was her trainer, someone who was supposed to protect her. And if he is not protecting her, why would anyone else? There's nobody else to protect her. And that's what's just heartbreaking. To think that this went on, and he knew it was wrong. Why else would it be secret? Why else would they have mm-hmm. kept it secret? But he also used that secret. He used he held that over her. So he would cheat on her in front of her to keep up the secret and make her believe that this was what needed to happen. He held so much power over her and he abused it. And it just, it makes me think back. I was listening to... Um, she did a podcast recently for the We, the Independent brand. Um, and she talked about how there was, how she fell out of love with wrestling and she stopped hanging around with wrestlers and she had to go and find her herself again. She had to go back to her old friends and, you know, to friends her own age. And obviously I didn't know then you know, thinking back to it now, it absolutely broke her. It Like he nearly took the thing that she loved the most, wrestling, nearly took that from her. And he took her childhood from her. And that's just complete, whether it's legal or not, that is completely unforgivable in my eyes. No, I think we all agree with you there, Emma. But, I mean... Benno, there seems to be a pattern, doesn't it, in British wrestling where sort of like you get these young female trainees and, you know, certainly seen loads of stories over the past few days and it's instantly like, oh, well, you know, they're getting messages off the, off the trainer or they're getting messages off the wrestlers in the school or, or whatever. It just seems to be instantaneous, you know, the first session they've done and, you know, they're being sort of preyed upon by people. Yeah, it it really is. It It, it is. It's a known thing. Uh, and I feel guilty for not, I don't know about any specific, you know, cases, but I'm, I'm aware of it. Um, mm. 
I can't help but tie this into, you know, the Ligero story. Um, I don't know if you're going to be wanting to do that up next, but you know, the Ligero, Ligero again, like the Jack James, he said, you know, you're just going on his admittances from, you know, from his statements, you know, Ligero, you know, outright denied one allegation and, for the other allegations, I believe there were there were at least three, um, and there were more, I believe, as well that were uh, anonymous. Um, he he said on his own Twitter regarding these other statements uh, from uh, he named Laura and Natalie as people that had spoken out about the the, the way he made them feel, and others who had untoward messages. I have no excuse. It's inappropriate and it's an embarrassment. And you know he admits to the complaints made by those girls. And I have got to be honest, I as somebody you know embedded in the Northwest wrestling scene, I was aware, you know, that Leguero's most recent partner uh, was somebody that he trained, um, which, you know, is, is outright fact and I don't believe is a, is disputed by Leguero. Um, uh, she, she did become his fiance. Um, and I know there was other rumors about, you know, uh, other wrestlers, you know, in the Northwest. And it, it kind of, it became, it, it, it's not, it's almost normalized that behavior, that, that ab- abusive power, um, as we've said about Travis Banks and Millie McKenzie, that position of power as a trainer, I can't tell you like the, the amount of wrestlers that I've either, you know, third hand been aware of or kind of knew of in the Northwest who they're a trainer and then all of a sudden they've got a new girlfriend and the new girlfriend is, you know, a, a young female training. Um, I'm not making any allegations of, you know, girls under the age of, you know, of, of illegal ages maybe but it's a known thing you know the amount of trade the amount of people in wrestling who are trainers who who then do by coincidence end up dating you know the young 17 18 19 year old trainee um and it's kind of normalized it's kind of just that line is just blurred and as jamesy said in any other environment for whether it be teaching in schools or even you know there are loopholes for sport but even you know, like football coaches this wouldn't this just wouldn't be normal. It wouldn't be happening. And it's almost like we, I think that's, that's the big thing that the, the amount of these stories tells you how normalized this behavior was and how those lines were entirely blurred. Um, and that abuse of power was allowed to happen. Um, and yet, and again, you know, there's the little jokes here and there, you know, there's a, there's a Madman Manson promo from PCW making jokes about, you know, Ligero particularly and, and young girls, which you kind of look at with horror now. Um, I personally heard rumors about Travis Banks and Millie McKenzie, but didn't know factually, you know, what the case was there. And it all kind of just gets brushed under the carpet as, you know, that's just a part of wrestling. And I think, yeah, maybe one particular, you know, small positive we can take out of this is that those kinds of stories that are all too common have been blown, you know, into, you know, public conscience and that they are out there now. And, you know, with the light of day shining on them, we can all see them for what they are. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we won't get cases like this in future. But, yeah, just absolutely just says everything about, yeah, the the, the pandemic, for lack of a better word, in, in British wrestling of cases like this. And I do think, yeah, it's that it's that normalization and that nobody's seeing a problem with the 30-something-year-old trainer and the 17-year-old trainee dating. Um, like, like, like James said, that, that statement from Travis Banks in general, just, just, it made me feel sick reading it. Um, and it made me feel sick to think about, yeah, how, how normal these cases have kind of become, but, uh, within British wrestling. Yeah, I think, uh, Ligero is a good example of this pattern of just, 
you know, the trainers. And I mean, Natalie Sykes said that, uh, you know, may said when Legera was her trainer, you know, she was around 17. He started bombarding her with uncomfortable messages and asking for photos. Um, his former fiance, Ruby Radley, you know, backed up that allegation saying there were many cases of him messaging other women, even finding naked pictures on these. On his phone, then he'd just turn it around on her and say that, you know, shouldn't be looking through his iPad. And, um, you, you said there, I mean, Laguerre has released a statement, you know, saying that the Violet O'Hara accusation was untrue. Um, she, she, you know, alleged that Laguerre, um, who was a trainer at the time, indecently assaulted her following a Christmas party. Um, and then you subsequently went on to apologize for the other statements about the unwanted messages. And he's been around on the British scene for years now and well known as a wrestling trainer in the North. And it just goes to show that clear pattern of him and other wrestlers, you know, constantly sending trainees and other female wrestlers sort of like unsolicited messages. But, um, I mean, Larry Guerra wasn't the last of the sort of European wrestlers um, involved in NXT UK to face accusations. You know, uh, Jordan Devlin faced some accusations of his own. Um, and Jamesy and Emma, I mean, this was just led to even more Irish wrestlers facing accusations from people. Yeah, like it's um, it's it's been a hell of a week in Irish wrestling, I would say, you know. And it's, as Benno said, you know, when he's talking about it being somebody from his area, when it's so close to home, it's it's particularly shocking, I think. And like I, I still think about the things that have come out about Irish wrestling this week, and I kind of can't believe them. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there are people implicated that you never thought of in this way. You know, like there are certain people who have been implicated this week, say in British wrestling, and you at least heard vague rumors, you know what I mean? And some of them were the confirmation of vague rumors that you had heard before. A lot of this was completely out of the blue, you know what I mean? So just to run through, I suppose very quickly to run through what happened and we, we can maybe discuss it a little bit more. Uh, obviously, the first thing that happened was the David Starr thing. And in fairness to them, with impressive speed, the following morning, within 12 hours of it all happening, he had been stripped of the OTT title. Um, and then the same, like the next day, I think it was last Friday, um, accusations were leveled at Jordan Devlin by a girl called Hannah, who posted several pictures of severe bruising to her body that she claims that Devlin inflicted. Um, I think later that night, Devlin responds with a brief Twitter message. He denies the allegations and he claims that his accuser is carrying out, and I quote, a malicious personal agenda against him. Um after the David Starr thing came out, um, Scotty Davis, Davis, the young Irish wrestler, put out a statement on Twitter, um, angry, you know, referring to David Starr as a scumbag. And he's vowing to help the Irish wrestling scene recover from his departure. Um, we all lauded him as, 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 as a locker room leader, as the guy who might lead Irish wrestling back to more respectable days. And then a day later, another OTT wrestler, his ex-girlfriend, Amy Alonzi, said that Davis, and again, I quote, had harassed me and assaulted me. And I had to learn the ins and outs of grey rape and learn that grey rape is no more than just a violent act. It can be a manipulative scheme. Um, and Davis again goes on to deny these allegations. He makes claims about the age gap between him and Alonzi, which he's very quick to clarify. Um, so just this whole bomb has been thrown into Irish wrestling of accusation and counter-accusation and denial and counter-denial. Um, other smaller things like Session Moth Martina spoke out about her experience of backstage verbal abuse, bullying, uh, slut-shaming. Uh, Debbie Keitel spoke out about her uncomfortable experience of training alongside Alexander Dean. Um, in the north of Ireland, there were multiple allegations of abuse against Russell Dempster. Um, and there's widespread calls from the Irish wrestling scene 
for the Respect Wrestling uh, Training School to close down. And that school is run by a convicted abuser called Curtis Murray. So, you know, um, maybe we often thought this thing was a Brit rest problem. But I think, Emma, it's, it's very much an Irish wrestling problem as well, isn't it? Yeah, that was it was certainly eye opening for the Irish. I know that we can kind of look to Brit Res and their issues and we're quite vocal about them. But then I suppose when it happened on our doorstep, um, it was it was quite difficult to read. Mm. And it's definitely caused a large divide. Because for those not familiar with Irish wrestling, in Dublin, there's two schools. And so you have Fight Factory and then you have Main Stage, which is now the Irish School of Wrestling. And Scotty and Amy were part of Main Stage. And after uh, the relationship broke down, Amy moved over to Fight Factory. So now with the statements coming out, you can really see the divide who's standing with Scotty and who's standing with Amy. And it's never been more apparent that there's, you know, there's now two camps to be in. Um, And you have Joe Cabray, who is, you know, head of the Irish School of Wrestling. And then you've got Katie Harvey and Debbie and Phil Boyd over in Fight Factory. And yeah, I think it's a real blow to our little Irish kind of wrestling community that we've been so proud of. But it's, you know, it is a good thing that it's out there now and that the discussion is there. Um, but it's I, I really don't know how we're going to go forward. Yeah, like the, the, the impression, I guess. And my feeling is that I don't know. It's it, this could be the end of OTT. You know what I mean? Like if it, yeah. if there is such a, like you look at who's liking tweets, you know what I mean? And that's a very Twitter bubble thing to be doing, you know what I mean? But you can't help yourself. You kind of say to yourself, who's supporting who? And, you know, you, you find yourself shocked by who's liking one person's tweet and you find yourself happy to see someone liking the other's tweet. You know what I mean? And it's it's heartbreaking as well that that like there are an awful lot of young Irish wrestlers now having to even listen to this stuff being talked about, you know what I mean? Like there are some Irish wrestlers who are only 16, 17 and you're seeing them come out with these statements on Twitter and they're so impressive and they're so mature and they're so well thought out and well spoken about the whole thing. And it just makes me sad that that, that these kids, literal children are even having to think about stuff like that and read stuff like this and, it breaks my heart that, 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 that there's there's so much collateral damage that happens with these things. You know what I mean? And like it obviously, as I said, at the forefront of our minds are the victims. But a good friend of our Zig, who has been so strong this week in, in the way he's spoken out on Twitter about a lot of these things. He, he coined the phrase to, to us in our group chat of secondary victims. Uh, there are an awful lot of secondary victims to this. You know what I mean? All the people who are around this in the Irish wrestling scene. Um, and I don't know. How do you reunite a locker room after this? You know what I mean? It's it's going to be extremely difficult. You know what I mean? And from my point of view, um, it will take a lot for me to gain my trust back in Irish wrestling. And it will take an awful lot of hard work and people showing genuine intent to make things better for me to ever spend money on going to an Irish wrestling show again. And that's I don't know that you I think you probably feel the same way, don't you, Emma? Um, I'm not really sure yet. I haven't really 
I know that you've said before that it's great that there's no wrestling at the moment, that we don't have to make this decision yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was talking about this with my friend Laura, and I, I had just, I had kind of reached a stage where I'd given up, and you know, I'd given up on wrestling. And she said to me, "Well, then all these brave people did it for nothing," mm. and that has mm. really stuck with me. And I look at, you know, if there is a future in Irish wrestling with Debbie Hytel, with Amy Alonzi, with the More Than Hype Boys, who have been so great and so supportive to all the people coming out then that's that's a that's wrestling that I will support and I mm. I won't let them down. I will buy tickets to see them wherever mm. they are. Yeah, that that's a great way to look at it, isn't it? Yeah, I think Debbie Kai tell us certainly, I mean from, you know, a Brit outside looking into the ice wrestling scene, she's certainly um been brilliant this week, sort of like speaking out on all the issues. Um definitely um someone who you know, you wouldn't want to push people into these leaders' roles, but certainly come across like a, a leader on the Irish wrestling scene, Jamesy. Absolutely, and and a formidable woman, you know, um, and and she has shown no fear, you know what I mean. And, and she's somebody who who has a bright future ahead of her, you know what I mean. I, I could see her going all the way to WWE. She's talented enough, um, and she 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 put out a tweet. In the week that kind of made kind of it made me proud of her, but it also made me sad. And she kind of said something along the lines of, "I don't even know if there will be any wrestling left for me at the end of this, but I have to do this." You know what I mean? She's prepared to sacrifice it all um, to support these victims and to make things better. And like she is somebody that has just skyrocketed in my estimation throughout the course of this. You know what I mean? And I would say Katie Harvey as well, you know. And there are signs of hope. Like, we see Fight Factory, which is Katie and Phil Boyd's training school, come out with really good um, policies and really good statements and really good things about having liaison officers with the police and that kind of thing. And they've appointed Debbie Keitel as a liaison officer to kind of be the bridge between the training school and the promotion and the fans and that kind of thing. And that's the kind of change we want to see. You know, we want to see people being proactive. We want to see people putting women in important positions in wrestling promotions, because as I said on Twitter during the week, during the week, men had their chance to run wrestling in the UK and and, and they completely messed it up. And now I think it's time to start giving women a chance because, you know, nobody could do it as badly as we did. I, and I do, I do agree with that. And I would love to see women in charge. Um, but I do think it's a bit unfair to put all of this on the shoulders of the women mm. when, when mm, what has yeah. wrestling done for them? They're paid absolute like shit. They have to mm. compete for one place on the card, maybe two matches if they're lucky and now we're looking to them to save the mess mm, yeah i mean where was wrestling for them yeah that's a fantastic it's, it's, point and that's exactly why yeah. we're on here Emma, to <laughs> point these things out so um, fantastic point there i mean it's it, this is it, like we noted at the start obviously the star accusation opened the floodgates and you know this past weekend it was really hard to keep up with the the horrifying story after horrifying story. And a lot of these allegations are around what you might say modern European wrestling, but um, uh, Vicky Askins, who's obviously well-known on the scenes as, uh, as Mark Haskins' valet and real-life wife, and uh, she released um, an allegation against uh, Brian Dixon, you know, obviously a well-known promoter behind All-Star Wrestling, who's been promoting wrestling shows and all the camps for decades. Um, you know, 
the allegation was that you know, his photographer takes sly upskirt pictures of her and the, and the photographer saying they were for his collection and, you know, allegations like this show, Benno, how systemic this stuff is. I mean, how far back did All-Star go? And you can imagine how many other people this might have happened to. You're absolutely right. And that's that's a, a big takeaway I've kind of had this, this weekend. And, you know, I was chatting to one of my friends about all this and kind of saying, you know, these women who are coming forward, you know, these, these brave women who are coming forward and telling their stories on Twitter, I really feel like that, okay, they, they are the women who, who feel comfortable to tell these stories. And Vicky Haskins feels comfortable to tell that story. Um, and But how many women, understandably, you know, don't feel comfortable to tell that story, to, especially to tell stories about people in, in power, you know, as, as, a, as a Brian Dixon has been over the years and as other people, you know, on this list have, have been. Over the years, and I absolutely would understand why somebody wouldn't come forward, but you have to imagine that there is a lot of women like that. And, and there are probably, you know, I, I think to, you know, wrestling training, where there are, you know, there are probably people who've came and gone, who've trained for a couple of weeks and, you know, haven't, you know, stuck around to be in, involved in this wrestling Twitter bubble that we're all kind of engrossed in. And, Honey, people like that have stories as well. Um, yeah, this, you know, the, based on what, what Vicky alleged, um, about, Brian, about the, the, you know, the photos being taken by Brian Dixon, it doesn't sound like something that would be, a, you know, the first time that's happened. Um, and again, that's another, you know, area where you, you know, the older school wrestling circuit where, you know, you'll, you'll, you'd hear murmurings and you wouldn't hear any con- concrete details and, yeah, you know, some of those stories are coming out now as well. And I think, yeah, as you as you rightly say, Martin, it is it is very likely the tip of the iceberg and is very very likely gives you a an indication of, you know, how back in how far back in time these things go. This is not a recent problem. This is not a, you know, oh, there's a couple of uh, bad apples here. This is a systemic problem that feels like it's been embedded in Brit Res for likely decades at this point uh, not just brit res really sports wrestling in general society um but and you know and certainly you know british wrestling in general um it's really it's scary really to think about uh, the depth of this thing and uh, and how far it could go back i mean yeah i mean our intention obviously isn't to make the people who spoke out relive you know one of the worst times in their lives but just to highlight what a massive problem this is in european wrestling i mean um a lot of these allegations are just coming out now, but there are a few that uh, that came out years ago and, and were brought to light again this past week. I mean, um, the, a girl who goes by Kitten on Twitter who was 15, 16 at the time of, of her abuse, uh, groomed by the then IPW UK promoter Daniel Edler and then subsequently abused by like some artist girl, Ryan Smile and Damien Dunn, um, plied with alcohol following wrestling shows. She was only 15, 16 at the time, um, my girl released a statement saying he's aware that young, a young woman has come forward with her account of sexual abuse from members of the wrestling community and said he, he believed their encounter was consensual and the fact the encounter was legal. He, he understands that she views their encounter as part of a bigger problem within the wrestling community. And also Damien Dunn posted, say he's spoken to her recently and apologised and trying to make himself better. And I know... She said herself she doesn't want to be seen as a victim or the girl that was groomed. But, I mean, reading her accounts and the fact that she came out at the time and nothing really happened, it was just truly harrowing to read this girl's post about this horrendous time in her life, um, Jamesy. Yeah, harrowing is the word, isn't it, Martin? I think, like, um, 
you talk of somebody who's been failed by everybody around her. You know, anybody who was there that was supposed to be taking care of her failed by the wrestling company. A, a list, a litany of people who abused her. You know what I mean? A, a culture that must have been in that place where it was totally OK to do these things to a 16 year old. In fact, it must have been encouraged among these people to do it, you know. Um, and. Yeah, that's I, I just all I could think of. She, she, the way she released her statement, it was kind of a chain of tweets. And the, the tweets just kept coming that evening. You know what I mean? And, you know, we've all been discussing this thing in group chats and talking about it and sharing the tweets with each other to make sure we didn't miss anything. And all you can say about this particular episode is that poor girl, what happened to her and what she went through at the hands of five, six, seven different men, you know. Um, and, you know, it's again... We had an apology. Was it even an apology? We had a statement from Marty Skirl, I would call it, where two statements. He, he sent out one, which was awful. And he sent out a second one almost to try and correct it in a way that in some way contradicted the first one. Um, that didn't really apologize directly to the girl. I felt it was, again, it was along the lines of the Travis Banks one where he's at pains to point out that, in fact, this thing I did was legal, um, which, again, kind of almost makes a mockery of how morally, again, I use this phrase, morally reprehensible it was, you know. Um, and, yeah, just I, I don't even know what to say about that case, really, except that poor girl. That, that's all I've got. Yeah, I also feel like Marty's girl has been waiting for this day for years. He has been waiting to be outed because we've all heard the rumours. And I remember spending a good portion of my time trying to work out, is this true? Or is this just something that has been made up? Is this just some sort of in-joke with Brit Res that they're just going to call him a nonce and they're going to make a joke about it? And and then, you know, it, it was true the whole time. And everyone is guilty of making a joke about this poor, what this poor girl went through. But for someone who has been waiting for this for a long time, which I do believe he has, that statement was absolutely terrible. It was just, it was impersonal as well. He has made no, like he hasn't reached out to the victim. He hadn't, spoken to her to see you know to try and talk about it to to see if if this would be okay if what he said was going to be okay he's just just a terrible person yeah but now and she's following his statement you know she tweeted that you know he's even sort of like acting like he doesn't remember me even though sort of like it was red pro together and things like that yeah, that's it. And, uh, you know, she's completely, you know, countered what he said. You know, a part of his statement was that, you know, I met her in a in a pub or a bar and, you know, I didn't know she was 16. And it's quite clear, and this is just my opinion, from her statements, from her allegations, her allegations over a good number of people, um, that, you know, this was a girl well-known within those circles. This was... I find I personally find it very difficult to believe really anything Marty's put in that statement, but specifically that point, considering the accounts of the girl, considering the the laundry list of names, that poor girl 
you know, names and, and, you know, what that, that poor girl went through. And again, endemic of the, of the culture, of the fact that it was just normal that this 16 year old girl, 15 year old girl, you know, right through her teens was hanging around with, with this bunch of wrestlers. And, you know, a girl who is clearly at risk found herself taken advantage of by a laundry list of wrestlers in that circle. And, it happened because it's just wrestling. And, you know, it sounds like we're talking about, you know, like we talked about the Brian Dixon allegation before. We're not going back that far. We're going back about five years. It's not, it's not that long ago. Um, and it was just, it, it, based on what she's put in her statement, it just felt like it was just this normal thing that happened at these after parties and all of these, these different wrestlers. If anything targeted this girl and this for me, this particular story, um, was probably one of a couple, um, but definitely high on the list of ones that really, when this came out the other night, I thought I found it the most affecting because it just showed, you know, the, the similarities here to, you know, big cases we've had, you know, like Rochdale with the, you know, the, the scandal with the taxi drivers and other big scandals we've had in this country where it's kind of organized. And I don't use this word lightly, but based on her statement, grooming. Um, and yeah, if, if, and yeah, I found his, found his statement disgusting. You know, it, there was allegations of him plagiarizing. Was it Kobe Bryant in the, in the initial statements? And then he came out with a second longer one. Um, and to be honest, I was glad to see today that I was maybe half expecting them not to take any action, but Ring of Honor to come out and say they're at least investigating. Um, the re- I think that the way they worded it was the wrestlers under contract didn't name Marty specifically. But you'd have to imagine he's part of that that allegation. And if if I was Marty Scales' employer and I saw that statement, like I, I personally, I don't think I'd have any have any real choice of what to do with him, other than to uh, to get rid and take the most severe action you can. Because as far as I'm concerned, he's admitted to it. He's gone with the as we said. Technically, it was legal defense. I mean, at the end of the day, that that means nothing. Um, and what what he's done, I think, just again based on his statement that he's put out, that he's hung himself with, like that's enough for me to to, to not want to have anything to do with Marty Scale going forward. Um, and again, yeah, I was like Emma, someone who'd heard the rumors in the past, wasn't sure if it was a joke or not. Now it's been confirmed to me. Yeah, personally, I'm done with Marty Scale. Yeah, I mean, you meant, we've mentioned a few companies, haven't we, like ROH and OTT, and, you know, there have been um, a lot of promotions scrambling around trying to respond to this thing. And, um, I mean, just before we get into that, I mean, Jimmy Havoc, I mean, there have been so many more people sort of bravely coming forward, and uh, Jimmy Havoc's faced accusations uh, from his former girlfriend, Rebecca Crow, of being abusive and toxic in their relationship, and then there was another girl accusing Havoc of sexually abusing her, and uh AEW released a statement essentially saying they wish Havoc all the best as he receives treatment and counselling in an effort to overcome his issues, which I, I found quite an odd statement because obviously, oh, you know, we got the blanket ones from WWE and then ROH saying that they were going to be looking into the allegations and taking them seriously. But Jamesy, I, I found the uh, statement uh, from AEW quite odd. Yeah, I, I, I saw some people praising them, saying the right thing to do is to pay for him or put him into rehab or put him through therapy. I, I object strongly, very strongly, in fact, to the use of therapy as a delaying tactic and as, as a PR thing. Um, I have a lot of experience of going to therapy in my life and family members of mine having been in therapy. 
therapy has to be something that comes from within you. Um, therapy will not work unless you have a real strong desire within yourself to go and get therapy and bring yourself to therapy. So Jimmy Havoc coincidentally going into therapy on the day that all these allegations comes out, I, it personally offends me. Maybe I'm taking more offense to it than a lot of people would because of my personal experiences. But I, 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 I object strongly to, to the use of it as, as a PR tactic and as a delaying tactic and that kind of thing. Um, he clearly is a man with severe issues, um, but the timing of it, you know what I mean? If Jimmy Havoc had voluntarily gone into therapy, you know, this week when none of this had happened, I would wish him well and I would applaud him for having the strength to go and do it. This feels like a show. It feels like performative, you know, and, and it felt like AEW buying themselves a little bit of time, you know what I mean? And I, I think they know that because look how decisively they dealt with Sammy Guevara for using some inappropriate language only a few days later. They knew that they hadn't dealt with the Havoc thing very well. Um, and they were so much more decisive and so much more swift in the way that they dealt with, with Sammy Guevara. So, yeah, I don't know if you guys agree, but I, it just doesn't, the way they dealt with that, it just really didn't sit well with me at all. I agree with Jamesy. I thought it was so weak. It was, they had, and we keep saying this about AEW, they've had so many chances to prove themselves to be a different company. Mm. But so far, their actions have really not shown this at all. They've just, it was weak. And the idea that suddenly Jimmy Havoc was going to go to therapy, when you had these women coming out saying, this man has issues, he has psychological issues, you know, he he's suicidal, he was abusive, he's emotionally abusive. And suddenly the day where the women are coming forward on Twitter. That's the day he decides he wants to change. Not when they're saying it to him directly, not when he's seeing the effect that he's having on these women. No, suddenly the day his employers say, Jimmy, I think you need to talk some to someone. So that, and which coincidentally means we can't fire you in the state of Florida. So yes, I thought it was weak. Yeah, because there were, I mean, a number of promotions, responses, or from all over the UK and Europe as they scrambled to get ahead of this thing. I mean, uh, I mean, progress. I mean, they've never had the best track record with this sort of thing. I mean, they released a number of statements. Uh, I think the first one saying they only took responsibility for performers while they were at the shows and not when they were after the show, and then they. Follow that up, stating that David Starr, the referee, Paz, Travis Banks, Laguerre would no longer be working for the company and that Jordan Devlin and Scotty Davis were going to be stripped of the tag titles and suspended indefinitely. Then on their official Twitter account, while trying to sympathise with Miller McKenzie, they essentially sort of dwelt on the fact that it didn't happen at a progress show. They then released a further statement saying Matt Richards and Glenn Joseph were no longer to be working for the company and that John Briley will be stepping back with a team of uh, Mike Loku, Vicky Haskins, James Amner and Lucy Caver and the company and sort of instantaneously as this had been released, screenshots released for a Facebook conversation involving Mike Loku using homophobic language which he instantly apologised for and then they released a final statement saying that John Bradley would have no control over the company and that uh, Mike Loku, Vicky, Lucy and James would be in full control and there'd be a full investigation into the post about Mike Loku. I mean, Benno, I mean, I found it really hard to keep up with uh, the 
track of progress statements and Twitter handlings of this and I mean do you want to talk a bit about the way progress handled this and, and then maybe the new team that they put together sure I mean this was you know this is a B part of the story but you couldn't help but kind of as all of these stories are coming out progress I don't know if it was the same for you, you three guys but progress ended up dominating my Twitter timeline at a time where they just needed to sit just sit back, think about what they're going to do, put a proper statement together, apologize to you know the alleged victims in these cases, deal with it properly. They were just an absolute shit show, um, and that was a a story in itself, really. Um, you know, John Briley, the the still remaining progress owner, will admit himself he was the man in charge on Twitter, and he probably shouldn't have been because, like you said. He was just erratic, writing emails about the darkest timeline. Going at like it's hard for me because a friend of mine, David, who was the one who made the allegation about Jimmy Havoc punching him in the world's end, is somebody I've been speaking to over the last couple of weeks. Um, but it felt like his story was almost front of mind for for the progress response. Instead of you know focusing on the 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 overwhelming allegations and the seriousness of it all and taking action on their wrestlers, their initial statement was like, it must have mentioned about four times, you know, maybe I'm exaggerating, but I mentioned a couple of times how how this was, oh, you know, we don't know how many of these issues happened on pro, on progress premises. You know, these are things that happened after the show and then that bled into Twitter as well. And that felt like a almost a defensiveness to the to the response they gave to David when he made his his complaint that he was punched by Jimmy Havoc in a in a bar and he got an email back from Progress at the time. I think this was going back four years ago, uh, essentially just saying, well, it happened after the show um, and that's not something we can control. And that almost became the Progress party line and they became uber focused on that and just misspoke time and time again. And yeah, you mentioned the the Yoku story and if in some ways I think progress reacting and on the face of it, you know, having having Glenn step down and we believe he doesn't have any ownership stake going forward, but I guess we'll have to, to see with the accounts. Um, Dan Maloney had, had made some claims about, uh, about uh, Glenn Joseph and his uh, his behaviour towards women. Uh, I don't think specifics on that are out, but they are, are Dan Maloney's words. Um, Glenn, you know, we believe has now stepped away and is not in an ownership role. It came at the same time as Matt Richards, um, just, you know, he is, he's someone who's at the center of this storm. You know, friends of his have been, you know, had allegations made against them and, you know, he's a big part of progress. So he's kind of stepped away for, for other reasons as well. And all of this shit storms happening. And again, I think there's a positive there that progress have put Vicky Haskins and Lucy K particularly and even Michael Oku and, and James Ander in a position of authority when they have handled this so badly over the years. But the way that comes to mind is, it's rush. It's it's a rush job, isn't it? Like it's it's. This was all. All of this played out over about twenty four hours, and if anything proves the point that they rushed into this, it's the fact that then Michael Oku had to deal with you know 
less serious, but but serious allegations of you know using language in a chat that wouldn't be becoming of somebody who should be in the position that he's going to be going forward with progress. And that kind of says to me that yeah, they, they, they've rushed into this and no real background checks have been done. We're going to talk about potential safeguards in the future, but there was no time to to properly consider who are the right people to safeguard women in the industry, safeguard fans in the industry, and pull all the right things in place. Again, yeah, with, with one side of me, maybe I in some ways applaud the fact that John Briley realised he was handling this badly, stepped aside. I know he's got personal medical issues, which are another reason why he's stepping aside. I let some other people take the reins. But then in another way, they've rushed into it and it does feel a little bit like they're running away. We've heard nothing from Glenn Joseph. We've heard barely anything from Jim Smallman. I know he's not really, he's not involved in the company anymore, but he was at the time of these, uh, a lot of these allegations. And yeah, the, the, the approaches maybe improved a little bit, probably because of Lucy Cave's social media nows, but the overall just stinks to me of a, of a company that that's panicked um, and maybe hasn't thought through, you know, even the, somewhat you know positive solutions that they're they're trying to put in place here yeah as much as like you say they are trying to put some positive here i mean emma it just their initial statements just reeked of like out of it all didn't they it was all very strange they approached i felt like the initial statement approached it in such a kind of cavalier strange casual way to like to reference a comedy show community and call it the darkest timeline Oof. at a time when we're like, no, the darkest timeline has happened. This is now going to be the brighter. We're getting it all out there. We're going to change it. But it was, yeah, it was all very strange. I think promotions, it's become very obvious that promotions and people running promotions, they haven't been prepared for this, even though they've known what's going on. They really did think that they were invincible. And there is a lot of protection of their top guys, of the guys who are making money. They've been protected this whole time. And they're the, they're the ones that they were looking after. They weren't looking after, you know, the women on the card, the kind of the, the trainees, the fans, certainly. Um, and with a lot of the promotion statements, I now I could be wrong, but none of them seem to be asking for other people to come forward. Mm-hmm. They're more saying we we we've listened, we've heard your voices, we've been quiet this time because we've been listening, but no one is saying if you want to come forward confidentially, here's what you should do. That's been up to the rest. That's been up to a lot of the female wrestlers to do that like where are the promotions they're the ones that are supposed to be protecting the workers and the fans and where have they been progress have been showed to have done absolutely nothing when someone went to them and said you know <laughs> your guy punched me in the face and they just washed their hands of it they, they didn't want to do anything about it so yeah it's it's been very strange for any business to run like that that's not a business that's just, you know, three lads running a a club, essentially, with with no one to answer to and with no safeguarding measures. And and it's like it's like this is all a surprise. It's like, oh shit, are we supposed to have, you know, rules and regulations? 
instead of just a kind of a, a code of conduct and a wink and a handshake. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned rules and regulations and uh, going back to Fight Club Pro, because obviously, I mean, there are allegations against their owner, Martin Zaki, and screenshots posted by various people of him using their company Facebook account to proposition women in a and even allegedly sending videos of himself masturbating. And I mean, the company since said he's no longer with them, and it's unsure whether their other owner, Trent Seven, still works. Their earlier statements from them were signed off by Ben, obviously Trent's real name, and now they have no signing on them at all. But James, the Fight Club Pro was known as a product promotion with fans, wrestlers mingling at these after-show parties. You mentioned the sort of like, quote-unquote, Fight Club Pro house earlier, and these parties went on into the early hours of the morning, and... Uh, Emma mentioned about sort of like rules and regulations and that just seemed like anything goes in in that promotion. Yeah, I, I have I have a lot of questions about Fight Club Pro. Um, the, the Travis Banks, Millie McKenzie affair was all on their watch. It all happened in their wrestling school. Um, as you said, Martin Zaki has a, a litany of accusations against him and has left the company. I have questions. I'm not saying I have accusations or allegations, but I do have a lot of questions about who else knew in that company. Because if you look at some of the screenshots that were sent, Zaki was using the Fight Club Pro Twitter account and Fight Club Pro Facebook account to send these messages. Who else had access to that account. Mm. Are, are we honestly to believe that he was the sole person who had that login and that there were, you know, the co-owner of the company doesn't look at those messages and is totally oblivious to all this that's happening? As I said, I'm not making accusations. I'm asking questions. I'm perfectly entitled to ask questions of people. Um, the, the culture of the promotion in general, Martin, like you said, we have often talked, you know, in happier times when, when we were able to talk about wrestling on this podcast. Um, we have talked about Fight Club Pro being more like a night out where wrestling happens to be happening than an actual wrestling show. And the culture of that promotion was partying and there were, I, I feel like there were no boundaries. I think boundaries is a word that keeps coming to mind for me this week. In, in wrestling in general, there seems to be no boundaries. There's no boundaries between trainers and trainees. There's no boundaries between some wrestlers and fans. And it feels like at, at these Fight Club Pro parties, there were no boundaries. There was no separation between fans and wrestlers. And it's, it's borderline victim shaming, I think, in a way to start blaming the parties as being part of the problem. But you do have to ask the question, um, if there was more of a distance between fans and wrestlers, would a lot of these problems be happening? We've seen a lot of girls come forward and say that wrestlers need the tiniest hint of a thing happening and they'll suddenly be in the DMs. You know, there was one girl who said that wrestlers, wrestlers would purposely take a bump in front of them. So then they would have a, they'd have an excuse to send her a DM after the show, things like that. You know what I mean? And maybe if these after parties weren't happening, would there be more of a separation? We've all been to the WXW after parties when they happen at Carrot Weekend and a tag festival. There is always some kind of a story the next morning after those parties, whether it's an, it's, it's an incident between someone in the promotion and a fan or something involving a wrestler, there is always some kind of an incident. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes they're very serious, but there's always something happening. You know what I mean? And it is something that promotions are going to have to look at in future. Is it worth 
what's you know what did they get from having these parties really or was it just an excuse for the owners and for the wrestlers to get close to fans you know and these are all questions that have to be asked and i would say that fight club pro to me is is totally toxic at this point to me it's rotten to the core and i would not shed one tear if it was closed in the morning and we never heard of fight club pro again yep i think we can all sort of like agree with that um Another another sort of like major British company, uh, Red Pro, um, have been staying quite quiet on this issue, but they released a statement saying um, they want to emphatically give their support to those who bravely shared their stories and encourage anyone who has further information they feel comfortable enough to share to come forward to help safeguard those in and around the industry going forward and, you know, trying to turn the negative into a positive and make sure these brave men and women who have come forward and bared their deepest thoughts haven't put themselves through this for nothing. And uh, and then following on from that, um, even releasing their head trainer, Andy Boy Simmons, following allegations he simply brushed off someone complaining about another trainee. I mean... Um, Benno, um, Red Pro seem to have been quite quiet in this, but um, I mean, that seems to be quite a big move for him getting rid of Andy Boy Simmons. Yeah, I mean, Andy Boy Simmons goes back to with Andy Quilden to their teenage years, doesn't he? If anyone like us has been a, a listener to the to the podcast they do, um, which I would not imagine will exist going forward, um, you know how close that relationship is and you know how biggest step that is um yeah it's funny i think rev pro don't have the best online presence i think most people would agree with that whether it's facebook twitter or their their recently pulled youtube um they're doing the right things i think with their actions um i think releasing that statement was good i think immediately removing andy boy was good i would i'm hoping um if anything for the sake of further victims that there aren't there isn't more to that story um with andy boy simmons i know his name has turned up a couple of times in in, in some stories people have, uh, have put forward on twitter maybe no concrete allegations but that does concern me um but yeah i think there's no choice there if you've got if you've got a head trainer and somebody comes to you with with you know with serious allegations of abuse and your head trainer brushes it off and makes a joke about how what was the line something like you're not the type of girl you, you will, he's lucky you're not the type of girl who goes to the police is the uh is the alleged yeah. quote if, if you're andy golden you, you sack that person um but you know i think rev pro in some ways have escaped some of this i mean obviously david stars their biggest the, their biggest attraction um but there hasn't been a huge amount of you know rev pro core roster involved in these allegations so far but for you know for andy quilden and andy boy simmons and other people around the promotion who've been so entrenched in res for for so long um it wouldn't surprise me you know if, if there was more um there or if there's more that they know or there's more you know uh more to come really um so yeah i think again i think their actions have been you know the right actions so far but you are right. They've been they've they have been quite quiet, um, and I would hope that's not for for any kind of a of sinister reason. And, um, and obviously, another major um, UK company, ICW, they had a load of allegations of abuse by some of their roster, such as Lewis Gervin and, and Kid Fight. They released a statement saying that um, they'd created uh, two new roles of talent welfare officers, and will be appointing male and female roster members to these positions. But um, I just wanted to stay with Scotland and the promotion Fierce Females um, allegations made against their promoter Mikey Whiplash. Um, 
a lot of accusations of mental abuse and manipulation, even violence. I mean, we Emma, we even had a Viper Pipe and Evan sharing these allegations with the hashtag. It's time. Yeah, I think I don't think anyone was surprised with the and that sounds terrible to say that, you know, we've been waiting for certain people to be named. But he is certainly a name that has kind of been known to just be nasty and a bully. And because I think, sure, didn't it all this all not that it all started, but when it was only a week ago when the OK Boomer uh, conversation started <laughs> and he he got involved, he involved himself and then um, accused uh, Mad Kurt of being ageist and of being bullying. And I think this certainly started a, a kind of a, a tide of people saying, well, actually, you're the bully. Um, and then, of course, all these allegations have come to light. Um, Scottish, the Scottish scene is it's quite difficult. I I don't see a lot of them coming back from this. I mean, that's obviously not up to me to say, but there's been so many allegations, and the women coming forward and the men coming forward. Uh, I don't know how they're going to come back from this without a complete overhaul. Yeah, James, it does seem like, um, as well as the sort of like English wrestling scene, the Scottish wrestling scene is going to have a good, need to have a good, hard, long look at itself. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any wrestling scene, even across Europe, that can be feeling smug about itself at the moment. You know what I mean? And, and it seems, as Emma said, an endemic problem up there. Um, you know, the allegations against Scottish members of the NXT UK roster as well. You know, Jojo Coffey, who would be. I suppose, demand in Scottish wrestling in a lot of ways, the most high profile day, uh, a main eventer in NXT UK. Um, and there's a litany of allegations against him. And, and as you said, Mikey Whiplash accusing people of bullying. You know what I mean? There's, you know, you use the phrase schadenfreude, like it's, it's another, another man like David Starr, who, who's arrogant online, eventually came back to bite him in the ass. And you can't help but feel that he deserved to be named and deserved to be called out. A promotion that we've discussed uh, quite a bit on this uh, on this podcast, uh, Riptide, they've announced they'll be going on a, an indefinite hiatus, saying they could and should have done more to protect staff talent and, and fan from abusers, and then also Attack of Announcer. They're going on a hiatus as well, Benno. Do you think we'll see this from um, a lot more promotions? We should. Um, I mean, as Jamesy said earlier, I'd... For some companies like Fight Club Pro, how oh, hate this isn't good enough. I just burn it to the ground, honestly. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, mentioned Rev Pro before, and you know that okay, maybe you haven't had many name wrestlers have allegations, but their training school has certainly got, based on the Andy Boy Simmons story, got a a lot of issues. Like that should be shut down for now. Uh, while it's investigated, there should be more of that. Anywhere for me personally, where there's been an allegation of a training school being used for either physical or sexual abuse, there's no reason for me that school should come back anytime soon, even when it's allowed to. For wrestling companies, yeah, I think that's the approach. You know, I, I criticized Progress before for their kind of, in some ways, meaning well and, you know, apologizing to the, to the fan who was attacked in the pub and, you know, and, and, and trying to put in together like a, this new team and, and, and try and fix things like it immediately. Like, and some of that's good, but 
really the biggest takeaway I've got there as well, you know, get make your apologies and, and deal with the individual issues and suspend the wrestlers. But uh, you're not going to be running shows anytime soon. Nobody's going to be running shows anytime soon. It's a gimme, really. Even if your promotion is not doing it for the right reasons, now is the time to properly take stock, shut down, not think about running shows again. And I would be, I'd be happy for no Brit rest companies to, to run until 2021, especially the companies have had allegations like Red Pro have had about their training school and like other promotions have had about, you know, their, their lead wrestlers and their inaction. Um, and their, and, and, you know, in the case of Fight Club Pro, their owner, their head trainer, and, you know, some of their top wrestlers having allegations about them as well. Um, until there's a full investigation, like Rip, Riptide, as you, you gave an example, they're a company where there hasn't been much noise out of as far as, you know, issues. They did apologize, you know, for the fact that they booked on their last show that we reviewed on, on here. You know, they booked uh, Travis Banks and Miller McKenzie on the same show. That shouldn't be happening. Miller McKenzie shouldn't be put in that position. Um, it's not the most... It's serious, but you know, there's more serious allegations about other companies, but they've taken stock of that. Maybe taken stock of, you know, some other things they think they could have done better in the past as far as safeguarding both fans and, and wrestlers. And they've taken the lesson of, yeah, you know what? Let, you know, when Boris, you know, t- takes all the restrictions off, let's not rush back to running. Let's go quiet. Let's sort this. Let's at least attempt to sort this thing out if you can even sort it out that's the other thing can you sort these problems out we can list a whole bunch of regulations and things that maybe we could suggest that that could help um companies going forward um you know putting more women in position of power that type of thing um but again it's it, that it, that doesn't necessarily mean a lot of these companies have got a right to come back and until that can be properly looked at and properly decided yeah, no company really should be looking to rush out and run shows over these next couple of months. Uh, I think any company that's come up in these allegations really needs to take stock right now and really needs to, you know, to consider how they come back, if they come back, and if they do come back, how they do it safely. Yeah, I don't think this this episode obviously not meant to be a, a complete and all-encompassing in look at this. We're going to take it an episode at a time, and obviously we will be talking a lot more about this in, in future episodes. Um, but, I mean, we mentioned a few things promotions are doing to address this, and obviously no one's expecting those guys to have all the answer, but, I mean, some changes that you'd, you'd like to see uh, going forward here, Emma? Um, well, I think, uh, you know, talking about Riptide, I do think promotions need to look at Riptide and how they are doing things and how, because they really, they really are a great example of how to be inclusive and how to be transparent. Um, and, you know, it's not a boys club. I know uh, Justine, who works there, Pasta Sosa on Twitter, she has been incredible this mm. week. She has yeah. not stopped and she's saying the right things and she's not afraid to say anything. And she's not, you know, she's not worried about the brand and worried about, she has just been incredible. And I think, I think people should be talking to her um, and working out where they go from here if they want to change. Because I know that, well, I don't know, but I think that she wants, you know, wrestling to be a better place and to be an inclusive place and to have, you know, marginalized genders be represented and to have minorities represented. And so I think definitely putting women in position, not necessarily female wrestlers, but 
you know, someone with an understanding of, you know, business and how to work a business and be inclusive and how to safeguard your individuals, how to listen to the fans, you know, without, without, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but how to just kind of, you know, take everything in and run it as a business and not just kind of a hobby to make money. I think like, you know, there needs to be people with knowledge of HR uh, or like people who are able to talk and people who are able to listen. That's what you need. Is it too late for this? It, I think it could be for a lot of promotions. And I also don't think it's financially viable for a lot of these promotions. So I don't know. I think the next few months are going to be so telling because they have the chance now to work on the promotions without worrying about selling tickets. And we'll see in a few months if they did anything, if they took this time, if they took these lessons, or if they decided to just kind of keep going along quietly, hope no one notices, and then hope that everyone is so eager to get back to wrestling in a few months that it won't matter. I think that's that's the main point out of this. I think, Jamesy, every promotion has to make a change here, don't they? Everyone has to just... The basics there that Emma mentioned, you know, having safeguarding so that this doesn't happen to people again. Absolutely. Like, and it's... It's it's almost mind-boggling. Emma touched on it there th- that a company like Progress, for example, and I don't mean to be picking on Progress in particular, but you look at the amount of money, the literal amount of money they made in 2019. Like they're a highly profitable business, making profits, six-figure profits. You know, what I mean, able to pay themselves huge dividends, and there's no standard operating procedures. We have these things in work. I'm sure every workplace has them called SOPs, standard operating procedures. If you stick to them, if you do what they say then it's very rare that things go wrong. And when things do go wrong, you fall back on them. And you, you literally go to a folder. If X thing goes wrong, you go to the folder, which has a standard operating procedure for that. And anybody who works in that workplace can f- simply follow that standard operating procedure. And instead, we, when you don't have things like that in place, that's when you get the terrible responses that we've gotten from promotions. That's when you get progress floundering to put together a half-baked statement where they don't even mention the victims, things like that. You know what I mean? Stupid things that any normal person would think of. Um, But when there's no standard operating procedures in place, these things fall by the wayside and people are, you get the impression that people in wrestling are just making it up as they go along. You know what I mean? Um, There was a very good tweet either today or yesterday um, by a female wrestler where she talked about Promotions need to address the lack of general safety of wrestlers. And I mean, mainly female ones here. Um, There shouldn't be shared male and female changing rooms. Female wrestlers shouldn't be expected to share rooms with males if they're staying overnight somewhere. And these are things that happen on a regular basis. Female trainees or younger wrestlers shouldn't be the ones doing the airport run. You shouldn't have just because a certain trainee is 18 years of age and has a provisional license, they shouldn't be the one sent on their own to pick up a bunch of wrestlers from the airport. Um, you know, it's and these seem like very simple, obvious things. But if wrestlers are coming out saying they're not happening, then they need to be, you know, they need to be brought in. Um, I think social media policy and things, how many of these things started with messages being sent? How many of the stories began with he began messaging me? And that's what the story starts with. And it moves on into fully blown abuse from that. 
there should be policies within promotions that a, a trainer should not be allowed to contact anybody under 18, I would say, directly. It should, any contact should go to the parents. It should be the parents' phone number they have. If they need to tell them the training is cancelled, they send a message to their parents and not directly to that person. There should be policies for who you're allowed to be friends with on Facebook. There should be policies about who you are allowed add on WhatsApp. It has to be that stringent because so much of it is that wrestlers have easily been able to access young people. And if the only way to stop that is to be this strict about it, then that's going to be, that has to be what happens, you know. Yeah, there, are, there does have to be some kind of safeguarding in place so that, you know, people aren't barraged with messages because that's... Mm, exactly. It's just a common theme, yeah. In every single story, it almost always begins with messages and the harassment continues with messages. After relationships are over, they're still messaging people. People have to be blocked. You know, there's, there's, there's promoters that left the scene years ago, still up till this week, setting up Twitter accounts and harassing people. Yeah, Benno, any changes that you you'd like to see? Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's it's a professionalism thing. I think for too long it's just been casual, like, oh, you know, Dave's here this week, he's in charge of training, you know, and the training group is a mix of fourteen year olds, fifteen year olds, thirty year olds and forty year olds. Like that is just wrestling to a T. Uh, it is slapdash, it is thrown together, and like James you said, even the big companies that are making six figures a year you know, when they had their training school, it wasn't like it was under any kind of regulatory body. And none of these training schools are. A Fight Club Pro isn't. And, you know, yeah, as, as Jamesy said, it was, I think it was Melanie Price who, who put that out, that tweet out about, you know, transport and accommodation and, you know, just generally having a more professional setup for when you're bringing wrestlers in from outside um, and what you're doing with them and who you're, you're exposing them to. Um, I mean, I think, the biggest thing that wrestling's the Wild West and it still is in 2020 because let's face it, it's not really a sport. Therefore, it's not really taken seriously. And it, we don't have the safeguards. Like, you know, you'd have the, you know, the FA in football and, you know, equivalent bodies across other sports, equivalent governing bodies that we just, we don't have. Um, and it's kind of left to police itself. So I think for me, the most, uh, important solution and the biggest solution would be to have some kind of governing body like that. Like outside of wrestling, I'm not talking Alex assigning out wristbands. I'm talking, you know, a real governing body. If we can't get that and it does have to police itself, I would push on promotions to do things the proper way to treat it like you're running, you know, football training, like you're running sport training. You know, uh, I've seen a lot of talk on the timeline about DBS checks, like, you know, Full disclosure, my job is dealing with enhanced DBS checks. It's what I do every day. And yes, that's a start. Like I hear a lot of pushing of basic DBS checks online, which are the type of DBS checks anyone can get. We could go and get ourselves one, you know, all four of it. Well, at least me and you, Martin, I think there are equivalents uh, over in Ireland. But I think, you know, most people listening to this could go and get a basic DBS check. It costs you £25. And what it does is it shows... Uh, essentially your convictions or at least your unspent convictions and cautions. The problem is, okay, yeah, you can say every wrestler needs a basic DBS check if you come to our screen in school or be around fans. The problem is, what are we what are we talking about today? We're talking about allegations. We're talking about, you know, one word against the other type of cases that the police just don't like, um, that don't 
tend to go forward, unfortunately. And it's, and it's a real tragedy that they don't, but the reality is that they don't. And therefore, people don't have convictions. Travis Banks is unlikely to be convicted or receive a caution for what he did. Um, that's just unfortunately the, you know, the fact of it. So you do a DBS check on somebody like that. A basic DBS check for that £25 and nothing comes back. But what I would implore people to do, if you are at a training school and you do have children coming to your training school, one, there should be children's classes. None of this mixing and matching nonsense that causes all these types of problems. But if you've got a trainer, like in any other sport, who has one-to-one contact with, you know, with, with children or is... A, a supervisor of a group of children or even a supervisor of training of children, if you have to, mix with adults, those people are entitled to enhanced DBS checks. And those DBS checks, they're a bit more expensive. They're about £20 more expensive, but they might well include, you know, non-conviction information, allegations, things that uh, are seen to be potentially relevant um, by when they are assessed um that is you know a possibility um for those types of roles those specific roles deserve the most stringent checks um and i, I really do think checks like that just should be a standard it, it really should be the standard that if you are training children you treat it like anybody else who's responsible for the training of minors and that goes along with everything james you said about you know having a a, a policy to do with social media having a policy to do with you know socializing outside the wrestling um yeah i would just like more of those walls to be put up i would like to see it not be normal that you know, 70-year-old trainees are in the, the Gifford after a show, um, out with all the lads, and it's all one big party, and there's fans mixed in, and, you know, there's people who you were chatting to at the merch table mixed in. All of those kind of grey areas that maybe have kind of personified what British Res is over these last few years, I think we really need to take stock and look at what professional sport and professional uh, entertainment and, and just professional people do in these types of cases and it's not what wrestling has done over the years like that that is the type of high level stuff that really needs to come from this and that's why i think promotions need to take stock get the right people in charge and speak to the right people uh and not and not just be relied upon to to police themselves uh but i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm wishing for too much <laughs> i don't know uh I think it, it's, it's hard. just boundaries isn't it Benno? that's what needs to be in place here boundaries mm-hmm. clear boundaries between everybody and i think I think, yeah, just to, to reiterate your point there, just, there just needs to be so much more done here. Mm. Yeah, that's it. So much. And, and from our point of view, what can we do? I mean, we can, we can speak to our MPs. We can speak to, we can pressure BT Sport for, you know, hold, hosting NXT UK and all of these allegations being there. We can hold these companies to account. We can withhold our ticket money. But yeah, we can be vocal. I think it is something we can do. Um, and we can be vocal to, you know, people in positions of power. There are various letters floating about that you can send to your MP to, to take some, some action on this and, you know, hope that they yeah, some, some grown-ups can step in. And yeah, we're not just continually left to, uh, to police ourselves here. And, um, I mean, obviously we are going to be talking about this in depth on, uh, on future shows. Um, just to reiterate what I said at the start, you know, thank you so much to all the people who have come out and bravely shared their stories. And just before we got into any final thoughts, uh, we can't end this show. Uh, there were some specific names you wanted to mention there, Jamesy, at the end. Yeah, just uh, we can't not talk about this whole topic without paying tribute, I think, to the, the women in particular who have 
just been working tirelessly. Like I, I heard Katie Harvey talking on on a podcast earlier today about how exhausting it has been. And uh, like th- these are people who have their own lives as well. They have their own jobs, and it feels like they're on Twitter twenty four seven, just working tirelessly. Endless DMs coming to them, dealing with this in an empathetic way, dealing with it in a strong way and, and amplifying the vital victims, you know, so that people like and, and I'm obviously going to leave somebody out because it's such a long list. But uh, Sierra Loxton, Gia Adams, Lucy Openshaw, Lucia Lee, Alexis Falcon, Jayla Dark, Rain and Debbie Kaitel and Katie Harvey over here in Ireland. You know, we applaud you. We thank you for your voice. We thank you for your strength. We thank you for your empathy. Um, and I would all to include some of the younger male wrestlers, the Ethan Allens, the Dan Maloney's, the more than hype guys over here. Like these are the people that give us hope. You know what I mean? It all feels very bleak at the moment. It feels like generations of wrestling have let us down. And then you see these, and these are young people. These are people in their late teens, early twenties, showing strength, showing maturity. And as Emma said, maybe they're the people that we need to stick around for because all this work that they're doing, exactly what Emma said, they're doing all this work. It can't be for nothing. And these are the people we have to support in future. Emma, any uh, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I just think, you know, the most important thing for us to do now is to just keep supporting. It's not enough to just kind of, you know, retweet things. Just let the people coming forward, just let them know that you're here for them and that you believe them and that you're going to be here for them. Um, I think that's important. I know a lot of this has been very telling. Um, I've learned a lot about people and about wrestlers in these in this last week about who is going to answer the call to action and who's just going to wait for it all to blow over or who's just staying silent and waiting for their name mm. to be called next. For all the people that have come forward, there are so many more who haven't. And a lot of them are just waiting for the first person to name the name so that they can come. But, you know, a lot of people, they could be in relationships with wrestlers and they don't want to jeopardize their careers by naming people in the industry or they could still be in abusive relationships. So just keep supporting, you know, don't let the voices die down. and. Yeah, that's it, really. And I don't think um, think you'll all agree um, we'll dispense with the usual plugs, but um, Lucy Openshaw's created a website, uh, talkmentalhealth.com, and that's uh, got a list of websites and support for people, so talkmentalhealth.com. And, um, yeah, like I said earlier, um, we will be discussing this at length um, in future shows, so um, we'll catch you again in two weeks.